podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, Deep Space Nine Season 2, Episode 2. Good to be here. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. I am not Masaka. I am Ehat. Maybe Ehat as well. I feel like I'll never get tired of playing that one. <laughs> Just shows the range of Brent Spiner right there. <laughs> that was the only one available in front of you, wasn't it? <laughs> no, I... <laughs> That's what I wanted to play. You wanted to play it. All right, there you go. I don't know why you don't think I'm here. I am a security officer, and I've had enough of this. We wouldn't even be here right now. This is the reason This is what it sounds like to be one of those those guys that's uh, the Borg is you having you having dream sequences about the Borg and the Borg are affecting you. And you're if the Borgs take over the D Space Nines, you'd hear this. I'm a bit rusty. I'm a very good man. Thank you. But I know your names. And I'm just not going to push myself doing what I'm doing. I'm aware that I have a tendency to run over the mouth sometimes. There you go. Terrifying. It's exciting. I'm glad that I can play that many sounds at one time. And I'm sure the audience listening at home is also that is glad that they can do that. I wonder, did it, did it come out of like different speakers? You think? Uh... No, it's, think I about? think it came out of split? equally. I think it was an equal no. pan here. I think it was That's left and right equal. I'm sorry. A nice effect. I'll, I'll I'll see what I can do to remix it. But I mix down our podcast out mono every time, though. Right. If you didn't, would we be? They be hearing me out of one ear and you out of the other? Or is that? Uh, yeah, actually. Yeah. Because you are a mono track, and then I'm a stereo track, so they'd be hearing, eh, whatever. Point is, we're here. <laughs> and it's wanted, time. Wanted to slow down the podcast right at the beginning, as always. <laughs> Look, we are under no time constraints, thanks to our strike. We didn't have any time constraints before. That's so true, actually. Well, here we go. Welcome to the Admiral's Club. I would play the should we watch this episode, but it's part two of three. So yes, if you're if you're at all engaged with part one, then watch part two. Um, Matt, how do they get into the Admiral's Club? They leave a five star review, Andy, wherever you get your podcasts or elsewhere on the internet. I'll tell you what, I have a special entry into the Admiral's Club. You do? Did you know that? Watch this. Here we go. Yesterday, while I was doing another podcast, yeah. one of the emails that came in gave us five stars. Okay. So, <laughs> guess who's getting it? David S. the Homework Stealing Vulcan <laughs> wrote into Excellent Adventure and gave us five stars. So, five out of five stars. Gave TNC or Correct. excellent TNC? <laughs> so funny. Good job, David S. 
Did he say anything, or he just said? Uh, five he stars? said, "Fellow listeners of Excellent Adventure should check out Matt's other pod, Star Trek: The Next Conversation, with Andy Secunda, and support them oh, that way. Amazing. If they like Matt and even remotely like Star Trek, they'll enjoy this pod. Come for Matt, Myra. Stay for Andy Secunda. Support Matt there." And their fantastic Patreon, if you'd like to hear them review Marvel movies, Voyager, or Enterprise. They've covered all of TNG and are working on DS9 and the regular feed. It's a great pod, especially if you want to listen to Matt for two to three hours at a time, five out of five stars. This is this is the kind of ingenuity that we re- that we really look for in crew members. Well, let me follow this. Dory and Henry drop in sometimes too. It's literally the best Star Trek podcast in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, David S. The homework stealing Vulcan. Maybe we are. Maybe we are doing too much uh, too much self deprecation, and we should be breaking the way that you pointed, Matt. Maybe it yeah. should just be all of our ad materials and everything should just say Let's the best it. Star Trek podcast in the world. <laughs> Let's own it. So that's my entry into the Admirals Club this week. I'm glad I could participate. Who else is getting in, Andy? Well, our friend James McLaughlin uh, tweeted at us uh, with all the serious stuff out there. Why not put this silly in your ears? So appreciated that. We try to to steer completely clear of the real world, so you're in a good place. It's true. don't want it. We don't always successfully steer clear of the real world, but I we would do. Ninety percent of the time, we do yes. a pretty good. Job. We're not really committed to any take we have about That's the true. real world. <laughs> um, expat fan on iTunes uh, gave us five stars, but ten Andes. Whoa! Uh, yeah, so it's a perfect score. I found this podcast in twenty nineteen. <laughs> I could look it up, but it wouldn't be true to the spirit of this podcast. I'm sorry. Did the 20 have a question mark? It did. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And 19 did too. They're, they're not, they're saying, I don't know. It's sometime. It doesn't matter. Well, you know, this pod- podcast wouldn't look it up either. Matt Meyer and Andy Secunda, plus the genial and very occasional Jonathan Frakes, create an atmosphere that has consistently made me snort laugh in public from the first episode. I'm sure I'm one of the many who feel uh, who feel that we hang out with these guys on a regular basis, and Matt is right. It is the best Star Trek podcast, full stop. Yes! Uh, I love what you do, gentlemen, and nothing but birds of respect <laughs> from this longtime president. Sideways, winky face. Uh, because I love a good argument. Enterprise, season one, episode 14, 2302 is the, is the time code. <laughs> Birds of prey. <laughs> He's pointing us to a... Look, I, 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 I'm not... You can also be wrong in an episode of Star Trek. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. They're not infallible. It's true. Thank you. Um, Black, I wonder who said it. That's the question. It had to be to Paul because she'd be the only one who knows the name of the vessel. Uh huh. Well, if it was to Paul, then was that a translation? I mean, it's yeah, the, it's probably the universe she's ESL, you yeah. know. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, Black Vulture tweeted at us. This is an interesting one. <laughs> is it? The, I was, but the, he they sent one tweet and then they had a follow up tweet. And the first tweet, I was like, huh, I'm not sure. If this is a crazy person or they're playing on something we've done, not a crazy person, a religious, uh, um, uh, a vehemently religious person. One of these these Bajoran people. And then the second one, I was like, oh, they're definitely one of our people. But uh, I'll I'll just read it. Star Trek, the next conversation. Um, Asterix, asterisk, asterisk. 
best hashtag Secunda podcast adds a layer of fun to every app they review. Club Loophole, good news. If you declare with your mouth, quote, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. <laughs> Rom 10.9. Um, and then the follow-up tweet was, don't forget about Odo or Morn. I still have my Morn action figure. You can probably get one on eBay pretty cheap. <laughs> but like, I think we might have gone on a, on a Jesus run recently, or you did. I mean, look. Maybe it was in our in our Bajoran conversation. It is what it is. And if you would take us into the president's circle now. Okie dokies. We'll have to get out of the Admiral's Club first. What? Where'd that go? Here we go. And that was the Admiral's Club. Uh, so this one we did play on the Voyager pod in the Patreon. Um, uh, if you would like to uh, join the Patreon, we're playing. Uh, we're doing uh, covering two Voyagers a month. We're covering uh, two Enterprises a month, and uh, and uh, by uh, joining at the five dollar level, you guarantee uh, your two DS nines a month. Uh, although we're you know we're doing that anyway. Um, so that last thing is meaningless. But anyway, otherwise you're good. <laughs> It supports it. Let's say that. I don't know how to phrase it. Um, I'm not a salesman. Um, anyway, uh, we played this in the uh, the other one, but I enjoyed it so much. I thought I'd bring it over here to the main pod uh, from Joe Moore, one of the many Moores in, in there in the Patreon. Hi, Andy. Thank you and Matt for such a fantastic pod. I've attached something short and silly. I hope you both enjoy. This is in regards to the endless debates about how you say this. So uh, this is from Joe Moore. If you could play the McKee song. Hey guys, uh, Joe from South Dakota here. Is it, wait, is it what is it called? Is it this? Am I playing the right thing? Voyager Pod McKee's. Oh, maybe this is a different thing. That was a supercut of how to say McKee. Yeah, this is Voyager Pod McKee song. Okay, I don't. That's not. That it's not in there. Have that. Well, this is classic Andy. <laughs> I don't have that. Uh, oh, I see. That's not in there, and so I was going to drop that in separately. Then, uh, then the thing that's in reference to the Joe Moore thing is "Hey, hey." Uh, but have you set that up? Should I play it? Is it there? It should be there. Yes, it is. I have that. Yes, I've I've read the thing that it applies that applies to it. Thank you. Here we come, walking down the street. We get the funniest looks from. Everyone we meet. Hey, hey, with a Maki, Maki. People say we're Maki. Maki. <laughs> we're too busy. Planning a mutiny. <laughs> Put down. Oh, man. That made me. I just. Now I want to watch the monkeys. Me too. Now I see where my mistake was. I retitled it. I see. Um, okay. So that was that something was that you problems. retitled it something you would remember. Correct. <laughs> and then I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Best Star Trek podcast. Um, Tristan Luth Robbins, uh, who is sort of taking up the mantle 
uh, of Statistician, and because I'm so far behind, which is probably why we lost our last Statistician, <laughs> I haven't uh, posted anything. But uh, I thought this would be an interesting thing to uh, just throw out there. And I'm, I'm, oh, these people, oh man, what a freaking mess I'm making of this. Just so these- we all know. No one's making Andy do anything he doesn't want to be doing right now. This is all his brain scattering in front of us right now. It's no, yeah, it's no, it's no, what is no happening? fault but my own. <laughs> this is I, more scattered I, than usual. What's happening? The same thing that's always <laughs> happening. This, there's never a point when either of us know what's coming next or what's happening or what we're supposed to play. It's, it's the same thing that's always happening. That's, that's why. why look, yeah. we're not the best podcast in the world. We didn't say that. But we're the best Star Trek podcast. <laughs> are we, though? Yeah, I think we are. <laughs> um, these are Christopher Pike Medal of Valor winners. That's the part that I forgot to say. Okay, sure. Yeah, great. Um, so one goes to Joe Moore. Another one goes to Tristan Luth Robbins, who's spending all this time uh, working up our stats uh, currently. Um, so here's what Tristan says. On the latter discussion regarding... How often you two agree with scores based on this week's 5.5 score consensus. Last of your DS9 scores matched four of 19 times, but overall you were both close, plus or minus 0.5 of each other on eight occasions. Mm. Andy scored more than uh, Matt 12 of 19 times compared to when Matt scored more than Andy three of 19. Mm. On average, Andy scored 1.1 higher than Matt. Season one averages, Andy six, Matt 4.9. Uh, biggest disparities were Emissary, Andy sure. 9.5, and Matt six, and the Forsaken, <laughs> Andy seven, Matt four. 9.5, Matt six. Um, these are, so these are just DS9. So, yeah, I have been I more forgiving. Stats. Great stats. They are great stats. Thank you, Tristan. Um... Uh, I am. It's interesting. You've been less forgiving of uh, of uh, this station. I mean, it's interesting. It's how I always have felt about D Space Nine. I, I right. D Space Nine. The first three seasons of D Space Nine. Well, the first two seasons. Uh, maybe two and a half. Now two. Anyway, it's snooze fest to me. It's it now just, it always has been, and now rewatching it, I'm like, oh, younger me was right. Oh, really? Just stand by it. I guess that is what you've been saying. Um, I wonder. It's sort of. It's. I don't know if it's skewed because at the beginning of TNG, we were sort of figuring out, sort of feeling out our, you know, where we stand on the Andes and how um, to rate things at all. Right. Yeah. So, but I do wonder how like the first season of TNG for your stats I don't even know that we started did we start rating the show immediately I I think within within about six episodes remember we went we were like we'll go back and give those ratings and we never did we never did which may be why we lost our last statistician because he kept asking us for them and we never did (laughs) and he finally threw down the statistician's hat I'm out clipboard goes then the pencil yeah, um, and we're in the uh, priority one messages proper. Okie dokie. Enjoy your medals of valors, and here we go. Captain, incoming message. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. 
for the record, the uh, our previous statistician was uh, Lieutenant Commander Brad Arrington, who uh, who really did us a service. And uh, I apologize for the various ways that I've dropped the ball on on uh, doing more stuff with your stats. Uh, so if you're out there, we wish you well, Brad. Um, okay, the ultimate trekkers don't play no checkers. Uh, hails us, uh, Mrs. The Ultimate Trekker uh, offered Does she the play circle. Checkers? Huh? Does Mrs. Play checkers? I well, the ultimate trekkers is pluralized, so I assume that neither of them I play see. checkers. Okay, all right, good to know. And I don't know if either of them want to, but they have to stick to their brand because that's what the rhyme says. Understood. Mrs. The Ultimate Trekker says, uh, in regards to the last episode, the circle are jerks. Yes, circle jerks. <laughs> Good work. It's dumb, and I like it. Ultimate tra- uh, Daryl A. Noying um, hails us. Uh, I wonder how long it took for me to see that, that uh, wordplay, Daryl. Uh, hey, fellas, I was re-listening to Marveling, Thor Ragnarok, and I have a question for Matt. In the episode, you state that you were trying to, quote, be a better man in 2020. I'm just wondering how that turned out. Well, I think 2020 turned out the way none of us thought it would, so. I assume we were already in the pandemic by that point, no? I don't know. Or maybe not. It's a good question. So, did I? uh, No, I don't think so. I think I failed at that challenge. You failed at that challenge? Personally, yeah. Uh, Cosmo. It's hard, guys. It's hard. Do you think that you meant morally, or you just meant in terms of efficiency and productivity and that kind of thing? I assume the latter. Because I have a pretty decent moral center. Mm -hmm. The rest of it could use a lot of work. Right. Whereas I have a shaky moral center, and uh, I'm true. incredibly efficient. That's why you love Moriarty. <laughs> Moriarty's both. Moriarty for president. Cosmo and James Moore says uh, regarding bigotry in Star Trek fandom, it definitely exists. I think those people are just in it for the pew pews and are either too stupid or too bigoted to soak up any of the good stuff beyond pew pew pew. But I mean. Go elsewhere for your pew pews. Many places do it much better than Star Trek. <laughs> yes. I mean, every pew pew hand to hand phaser fight I've ever seen in my life, uh, nobody hits anything until the one person gets hit. Well, Shart Carbuncle adds this to it. Uh, Shart says, This is sadly true. I've run into a conservative sub sub subculture that's obsessed with the militaristic elements of Trek at the exclusion of everything else. They are actively hostile to any obvious progressive interpretation of the show very weird so i don't know if militaristic indicates pew pews specifically although that would certainly be in their line of interest or if it's just i think it's pew pews within a chain of command right (laughs) (laughs) i'm raising i'm promoting you to lieutenant of pew pews in the chain of command oh man i got a field pew pew Um, anyway, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm confused too. Um, Rudicio, sautéed but not steamed, says regarding, uh, quote, what are the Bajorans supposed to represent in real life conversation? I think it somewhat varies depending on the episode. It seems like they are trying to realize them and develop the setting without wholly tying them to one specific in real life analogous group and dynamic. But still, in any given 
story, there will be several in real life analogies like in regular Star Trek. As someone from a small country with a long history of occupation, including by a neighboring country, which is still hostile and refuses to call it occupation, I emphasize with a lot of uh, the Bajoran DS9 plots, and it's probably why a part of why I like Kira so much. We don't have big creationism in schools problems per se, but a lot of Wynn's bullshit does hit very close to home, and I can't stand her. Anyway, what I'm saying is, while I'm not Bajoran and Russia is not Cardassia, uh, with many DS9 plots, I can easily insert myself in my country's history and relate to what's happening much more directly than much of the American audience. And then again, in other episodes, they're doing a different spin or exploring a different area of the culture's dynamics, including Bajorans. And the more useful analogy is with some other countries or groups or whatnot. Ultimately, though, when the show is at its best, anyone will probably relate to what's happening on a human level. Um, I wonder what country Rudicio is from. It's being uh, hassled by Russia. I mean, look, I think any country bordering Russia has been hassled by Russia. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's what it is. Yes. Uh, um, they're not they're not trending <laughs> in a good direction. Um, what I'm here to say is, thanks for listening to the podcast. Thank you. Indeed. Even though you're in a tiny country. I mean, tiny countries. Come on. America's huge. We win. <laughs> Matt, uh, I'm being that Matt advancing that, that other school of Star Trek fan here. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> biggest country wins. Russia's, Russia's bigger. But that's beside the point. Um, most, of that's, most of that's frozen. Who needs it? Do they out over? Do they out outpopulate us? I don't know if the, what the word is. Their population must be. I would assume, ours, right? but I'd maybe not. Well, His find out. Doesn't really win anymore. Angel M. Bonilla or Bonilla um, says oh, we, we 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 triple it. Really? Oh, yeah. So we can we can take them three on one. Everybody, let's do it. Why has Russia ever had financial problems? And they got all that those land and resources. I mean, I don't know anything about running a country, FYI. <laughs> it seems logical to me. Isn't it all about resources? Um, any idea? No. Do I have Somebody, any personal ideas to why? There's got to be Russia some professor that knows about this who's listening to this. I podcast. mean, you got the oligarch and the czars, and then the political uh, stability of the communism, which was then destabilized and then you end up with this bad management. It's, it's a, what I'm saying is it's a mess much like uh, everywhere Angel says to us somewhere in time broke me as a kid one of my first emotional responses in a movie oh wow well I'm glad you enjoyed the reference have you seen it or are you just referring to it you must have seen it that's too deep a cut well, I mean, now I kind of want to just be the guy who has never seen it and just referenced it. Well, you are that guy, generally. Ah, finally. He admits it. I'm that guy. But you have seen it. Yeah, a long time ago. Nobody digs into that particular reference without having seen it. Um. Anyway, glad to to hear from another person that had that kind of reaction. I was more, I was less upset 
or I was less like you know sort of emotionally like saddened and I was more uh, kind of weirded out by the darkness of it um, but I guess it was effective you can't say it wasn't effective it was definitely a weird movie though Lieutenant Neil Studd says, uh, what does it say about O'Brien, the family man, when Kira says, we might not be coming back, and his reaction is, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) It is an interesting thing. Look, he's just your classic Starfleet officer, ready to go whenever you need him. That's true. He's not an officer. It is interesting, though, that he doesn't bat an eye with it. (laughs) Um... He's had enough of uh, of the bickering with Kira over those weird tongue sticks that everybody that he loves so well. Lieutenant Commander Molay, Historical Archives Division, asks asked, does anybody else's brain go to Lee Presson Nallis? He's making a pun out of Lee Nallis and making it Lee Presson Nails. Wow. I don't T- go there. Um, Tom Bondurant says regarding part one, part two in DS9 episodes, the series only had three two-parters and they were designated as such. These were The McKee in season two and The Search and Past Tense in season three. This doesn't include two-hour episodes that were split into two parts as reruns. Otherwise, there were several other sets of multi-part episodes uh, that each had different titles. And then JD adds, I think this is the only three-parter in Star Trek history. I mean, explicitly labeled as such, for sure. Oh, interesting. So there are, like, episodes that are serialized. I mean, if you're, if you're looking at, like, continuation, you get Best of Both Worlds 1, 2, and Family, which deals yes. with the repercussions of Best of Both Worlds. So theoretically, that could be considered a three-parter. I don't. I don't consider that one of three. Which, by I was, the way, that it would did be a occur great to me. Title for that third episode, "Best of Both Worlds," because of you're dealing with your family on Earth and up on the starship. I mean, I'm not going to fault it if they wanted to call it "Best of Both Worlds" part three. <laughs> you don't have a problem with the, uh, arguably the greatest episode of uh, Star Star Trek in history. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like, it feels you know. If you wanted to include it, yeah, go for it. Like it's if not like like, a... like Star Trek uh, two, three, and four. You know, yeah. they're slammed together as this like trilogy of movies. Yeah, because they all essentially take place within like a week of each other. <laughs> yeah, but you know, they weren't written that way. No, although I, in terms of one part or two parter, I would feel like best of both worlds. What's the what's the second part called? Or is it just one and one and two? Best of World One and Two, yeah, yeah. Um, I, those those needed to be closed off in that in that second episode. Whereas the other ones are sort of a denouement that could have happened any time in the series. So I don't see that as a. It is obviously connected story wise, but I don't think it would be a part three. Is my vibe? That's my I mean, vibe. my vibe is these weren't labeled as part one, two, and three when the show came out. So why are we post labeling it? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's fair. Do, were they? Do, I don't know if you know this. Was there? Were was their intention when they uh, when they entered this season? Obviously, in these episodes, it was oh yeah, we're going to serialize a little more. Was their intention like, hey, maybe we'll just be doing a serialized thing? So don't bother labeling it. No idea. 
I wish I could ask Robert Wolf. Um, I mean, I can, but he's. I wish I could ask Robert Wool. I loved Arliss. I'm sure he would have some opinions. <laughs> um, Ensign Excess Emotional Baggage hails us. This episode definitely merits the old runabout theme being played. I think somebody sent in a runabout theme if you uh, if you have any idea where it is. But in the meantime, I'll go on to the next hail. I'm sorry. I spaced out on what you wanted me to do. I'm There's so an sorry. episode. Uh, the Internet Sex Badge says this episode definitely merits the old runabout theme being played. Somebody, somebody had uh, made a runabout theme. Oh, God. I have no idea where okay. that is. No problem. Cam glimpses a pike decoration through the trunks. Hails us. Um, they won't get rid of us that easily. Uh, that's uh, that's from O'Brien. Easy on the colonial bullshit, O'Brien. It's their planet, your guest. Don't act like you're entitled to be there, and then uh, and they're unreasonable for being nervous after fifty years of alien occupation. No true Irishman would back colonizers over the indigenous. Poor form. It did bump me that line. Um, it did seem a little bit odd and I, it kind of put it in the same category as the thing that Matt sort of just put his previous comment on once he's on the ship with Kira which is just sort of like yeah he's just Starfleet all the way but I agree it's weird <laughs> um Cam Uraki busy in Hyrule for the foreseeable future what's Hyrule I apologize if I already know this um is it a real place? I'm looking it up. It's from Zelda. What's funny is you see all these things beforehand. So I don't look could, them all up. You don't have the question in your head when you're reading it? You're no, like, that one I didn't. You know why? Because why? I'm sorting through hundreds of messages. So I'm mm-hmm. just picking ones that seem interesting and moving along. Well, this is your fault. That is my fault. I did do this to myself. <laughs> you get mad at me. I'm like, I didn't want them in the first place. I'm only mad at you about <laughs> criticizing the way that I'm handling them. I'm like, I'm handling them as best I can based on the, the structure that I set up. But <laughs> uh, Lieutenant G, uh, he wanted his name uh, sort of obscured, says, uh, Matt, you've been recently infected with Andy's pun blindness. If uh, A lot of people <laughs> pointed this out. If during the, com- the MVC conversation... Um, you could listen to him say, although Kira obviously does go down and pretend to be a sex worker to get him off and not comment. Wow. Sorry well, you know it. what it is? That's 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 innuendo. And uh-huh. that I have a not only a blindness for, but a, a distaste for. Yes. So my brain willfully ignored that. I think I have both also. Um like, I think I've said I have pun blindness, I have sex joke blindness, and I put within that innuendo blindness. Yeah, like a, my probably my least favorite thing is that's what she said. Oh yeah, well that's that's the that's the king of all these things. Mm-hmm. I, can say I don't a, care for it. I also am not good at, improv- at improvised rhyming, which is why I've never really done the improvised song forms. That's the one that I'm afraid of. I have a uh, a surprising lack of ability with wordplay and rhyming and puns and a bunch of skill set that would classically be thought of as 
uh, a cur- comedy writer's purview uh, for a professional comedy writer well, that has made my living. <laughs> it's not for everybody. No, I do think that I have I have a snobbery about all these things. Although I would like to imp- uh, be an improvised singer, but I'm too terrified of the rhyming. Um, ben Plavin says, after Hoopai's breakup with Te- Ted Danson, Fruppy, which is Frank Langella and Whoopi, were together <laughs> for... Five years from 1995 to 2000. What nice. a crazy couple! This is this is this is right before, right after, or during. What is this? What year did this air? 93. Oh, this is pre. This is pre Whoopi, pre Hoopie. Uh, on Frank Langella's part. Oh, I see. Here. Um. Oh, oh. So he hadn't gotten together with her yet. Right. I wonder if I'd they. Like, I'd like it if they met at the Star Trek convention. It would be. Here's a here's a, a question. Do you think even a single time that they ever discussed Star Trek in those five <laughs> years? <laughs> yes, I do because of like Whoopi having to go shoot something or something. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like at some point. But she probably said, "Yeah, I got to go do a Next Generation," and he was like, "I have no idea what that is." <laughs> No. Ah, why? <laughs> like he's always sleeping. That's him. <laughs> um All right. Well, now with this new OS update, I don't know how to turn off notifications. Interesting. Whoa. With the new OS update, Matt updated his thing. It threw everything into a tizzy this morning. Yeah. Yeah. I lost. Oh, I guess it's called focus. I see. Um, this is from. We did a uh, Picard wrap up podcast on the Patreon called Postcard, um, and uh, it's only. I'm only reading it because it's kind of uh, connected to the. Connected to the. Um, to the to the pun thing, uh, but also because. Where is it? I can't find it now. It's very irritating. Uh, but also because I'm trying to get... There's a... Uh, we had a long conversation about fan service mm-hmm. in the in there. And uh, I feel like uh, we should... Uh, we should get different terms other than fan service because fan service is being used to say something negative. Um, purely. And I feel like some fan service is good and some fan service is bad. So the one I'm advancing is uh, fandering for, for bad. Look, you know, I support you. You you really want to get it out there. So I'm throwing so that so out that you, there. So much so that you mentioned it here. Well, David Oni Rowell, I only say this because I was like, eh, maybe that one's not good. But David Oni Rowell says, fandering. Andy, you're pun blind, pun blind like Daredevil is blind. Brilliant. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, so David Oni Rowell is at least uh, in support of it. Um, and then uh, I threw out a bunch for the other option. I don't remember what, what they are now, for, for, for the positive option. So doors are open. Um, the suggestion box is open. Roddy Chop says, I had three really good comments I wanted to make, but I fell asleep during the hails and forgot them. <laughs> 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 
Uh, priority one, lieutenant level uh, from the home company is from Shelly Gentle. Uh, says, I know him from something big, and you probably do too. Borum was played by Michael Bell, who you may recognize as Groppler Zorn from Encounter at Farpoint. Um, and then, uh, but no, that's not the really big thing I know him from. I was 10 years old when TNG premiered. So not too far from my Saturday morning cartoon phase, I was able to catch the reruns of season one many times. I knew there was something about Zorn's voice that, that was familiar. Wrote down the actor's name. Um, and later I was able to catch an episode of my old favorite cartoon. Um, attached as a clip, if you want to refresh your memory of what he sounded like as Zorn. If you check out his IMDb, you'll see... Uh, I don't know if he plays it in the clip, but... Uh, if you want to play that one first. Ah, Commander Riker. I thought you'd want to know we've still no word from your vessel. I trust we made your waiting comfortable. Luxurious is more like it. Good. Okay. <laughs> oh, they don't have the... I thought that was the second part that played the thing. Um... He's incredibly... Pro- so, 10-year-old me recognized him as Duke from G.I. Joe. He also played Zamet, Blowtorch, and a number of other G.I. Joe characters. <laughs> he voiced Prowl, Scrapper, Sideswipe, Bombshell, First Aid, Swoop, Gort, Brainstorm, and Dr. Fujiyama in the Transformers, as well as Grouchy Smurf, Lazy Smurf, Handy Smurf, and Johan. Or Johan wow. Smurfs. That's I was a little disappointed a busy to see resume. Duke was really a wrinkly old man, but at least I had Wesley Crusher to set my preteen sights on. Um... That is crazy that he played all of those characters. I guess that's the that's how you do if you're if you're a uh, if you're a voice actor. It's only you know if you ever watch Yearly, the not Yearly Smith. Who's the one that plays Bart on Simpsons? Nancy Cartwright. Nancy Cartwright. She's the only one who, anytime she played a different character, it's sort of like no, that's Nancy Cartwright. Um, when you watch Star Trek the animated series, everybody who isn't the main cast is played by James Doohan. It's hilarious. And you hear it. Is he? He's doing voices. Doing voices. But it's clearly James doing. <laughs> well, that's what his, his, his novel sounded like when he right. was doing the other characters. His bleep blorp data voice. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably seen less, uh, less, less TNG than, uh, than Frank Langella. Um, and that's it for the president circle. Uh, and lieutenant's level? Is that it for the priority? No, we have, the, we, we have to step out in the corridor and open the hail bag. The proper, the regular hail bag. Wait, so you put the lieutenant's level in the regular hail bag? They don't get no, that was all messages. presidents. That was all president circle. So or no president circle. No, well, the, all the people in the Patreon I call lieutenants. Did I just say, let's go hear from the lieutenants? Well, you said, no, you said that does it for the priority one messages. And we got to leave the president's circle. Okay. You said that. Whatever. Point is. Let's whatever the case, no. The people in the Patreon are the lieutenants. The regular people are just enlisted people. Boy, <laughs> A particularly chaotic episode. <laughs> Captain, Captain, we are being hailed. Those uh, those ad materials that we send out saying this is the best uh, Star Trek podcast are going to have have to have very large quotes around that part. <laughs> um, all right, we have a voice hail 
from a frequent voice hailer Joe from South Dakota. If you could play Joe. Uh, live long and prosper. Um, the replimat and quirks are not the same thing. Quirk does not own the replimat. The replimat is the public food area. It's free for everybody. That's oh. a federation-run thing, or at least part of the Bajoran government from the federation, essentially. That's where everybody in the station can kind of go get their food in public. It's kind of your, from what I understand, it's kind of the, it's the free food stuff. Quarks is where you got to pay for it. Mm. In your quarters, I believe you have a certain number of rations. That may not be the thing, but you can get basically what you get from the replimat in your quarters. If you want the specialty recipes, you got to go to to Quarks. I think that's how it works. That's how they uh, don't pay for things with the replimat. You I, know what? Good. That's a good voicemail. That answers some questions. I get a little image of daily life on the station. Thank you. So I guess the replimat is just for, it's like 10 forward, it's just for the social aspect of it. Otherwise, nobody would ever need to go there. I mean, it also could be a situation where not every quarter is equipped with a replicator. Ooh, like you're, you're lower ranked and you don't, you don't get one? Or like, you know, any of the civilians that live on the station. You know, the guy mm-hmm. that sells those job jobs? Yeah. Where does he go to sleep? That's a good question. In Do a, people... In, a, in some crew quarters. Does, I don't do know if this is ever established. Replicator? doesn't feel like it's a spoiler. Do people... Like, do all the merchants and people, or do most of the merchants and people live on the station? Or do they like, oh, all right, no, got to go to DS9, try and sell my wares? I believe they live on the station. Gotcha. At least that was always my understanding. So that guy selling the jub-jubs is... That's just like he's just got his his quarters are just filled with jub jubs and he's. <laughs> well, I bet he has some sort of cargo area he can use. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Never thought about that. Um, and then John Zhu tagging on that uh, adds uh, in a later season, Quark speaks the replimat in a way that suggests a competitor, not a subsidiary. Um, and then his second point is, I think Matt and Andy skipped over this part. But the thing in this episode that always bumps me is that Cisco told a freshly rescued Lee Nallis that if he's hungry, the replimat has some passable Bajoran food. Really? On a Bajoran station filled with Bajorans, there are no authentic Bajoran restaurants you can recommend to a Bajoran war hero for his first decent meal in years? It's like standing in the middle of Chinatown and recommending the Asian hot bar in the American grocery store. Well, you know, this guy doesn't come with money, you know? So you're saying that up off a prison camp. So Cisco's not going to be like, why don't you go to this fancy Bajoran <laughs> restaurant? Cisco's not covering He's the not tab. Up the tab. No. Whoa. No. Cheap. Come on, Cisco. Cough it up. Um, and from Alex Cherkasky. Hey there, co-captains, the best Star Trek podcast period. <laughs> Boy, we proved you wrong. Buckle up. On the station, which is technically Bajoran, Kira's second in command and definitely O'Brien's boss. Uh, when we're on the runabout, leaving Cardassia for O'Brien won't leave until Kira says so and he and calls her sir. Once they're off the station and on a Starfleet ship, no less, wouldn't O'Brien exclusively answer to Cisco? Couldn't he be like, ship's leaving with or without you, lady? Anyway, keep up the, quote, great work. Quote, great. That's funny. 
I assume it's an extension of your duties on board the station. What would that mean? The command structure would stay intact. Hmm. So Kira would be outranking Chief O'Brien. Well, this is... He's suggesting... I know what he's suggesting. I heard the email. (laughs) So, I don't understand. On DS9, does O'Brien answer to Kira? Right. So, why would it be different off the station? Well, because theoretically you're not on a Bajoran... I see. I see. Shuttle. I mean, you're not on a Bajoran station anymore. You're, now you're on a Starfleet vessel. I see. That is a complex command structure, but I guess most military structures are complex. Um, hear that, racists? Um, it's not fair. I was saying that in regards to the people who just listened to Star Trek for the uh, the military information. Oh, I was like, I was really confused. Like, who is that for? <laughs> there are plenty of people in the service that are good good uh, open-minded people hey that, uh, hey there are good people on both sides you know? <laughs> no, man, no i always i always gotta i gotta get in here and just say that out loud you know good people on both sides <laughs> um here we are touting how we don't bring the real world into it <laughs> talking <laughs> talking about star trek uh from jay gomez hi andy hi matt uh, I'm proud to be a longtime listener of this, the greatest Star Trek podcast, maybe probably. Um, I'm especially a fan of the many, many hilarious rabbit holes and sidetracks. The more the merrier, as far as I'm concerned. That said, I had a thought while listening to a certain moment in the last episode and was compelled to put it together and share it with you. It should be attached. Hope you enjoy. Saludos, Joshua Gomez. Uh, if you could play Talking About. Buckle up, guys. It's time to talk about Star Trek. They're talking about Star Trek? All hands, they're actually talking about Star Trek. (laughs) Really will take everyone's by surprise. (laughs) Oh, I thought they started an hour and a half ago. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, We're in the prime correctives now. Okie dokie. It sounds like we're going to get multiples. Yeah. Time for retrospective, cause truth is our objective. It's a prime corrective, cause Matt Andy got it wrong. Oh, there is a ding there. I guess you cut it off once. No, I've turned off the... There's a setting on Zoom okay. that I, I just killed all the noise canceling. Like the automatic automatic noise canceling. Yeah. I killed it because I assumed that that was just clipping sound for you. Oh. Because it wouldn't be ready to, you know, you wouldn't hear it immediately and it would come in. And I assumed that that was what was problem. That was the problem. Oh, yeah. So I've been, because I keep, I don't know if you need to hear this. This was a Patreon thing, but I, but I, I went blink. And then I was like, oh, I don't hear a blink. Did I just make that up? Or I've been doing it every single time. And now I have the answer to my mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, I was invited to a uh, mystery to a mystery party or whatever a role playing mystery party. My you better wife, find out before you go if it's role playing. 
Uh, let me see what the, the text says. It was my friend, uh, my friend's wife, who has a birthday close to mine. Mine's my friend's up. wife. My friend's wife. <laughs> 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 terrible usage of that. Um, uh, doing a birthday celebration. It's a murder mystery. That's all it says. Doesn't, doesn't say. Okay. <laughs> Is there an right. actual murder? Maybe there's an actual murder. <laughs> then I would go to. That's fun. <laughs> anyway, I don't have a plan for my birthday because... I don't know. I must have talked about on my how on my birthday is like my darkest day of the year. Have I ever? Have I ever? Have I ever? Um, uh, what's the word? L- laid that on them? Like basically given them that burden? <laughs> our, our listeners. Anyway, so uh, I always I never know what to do. I always delay having having a plan. Um, May twentieth, so everybody, it's coming. She's asking. Like, hey, instead of doing your own birthday plan, which is going to be on your birthday, we're doing my birthday plan because her birthday's a couple of days before. Hey. I know she, I know she said this because my friend's like, uh, I don't know if I want to leave Andy alone on his birthday. Here's what you got to do. <laughs> What's that? Here's the answer to that. Okay. What day is her birthday? Like Wednesday or something? Let's find out. Then you just got to make plans for that night with her husband. Hey, bud. Is that Henry? He's going to get Henry. Yeah. The answer to his question. He won't care. My, my, my glue tree, it, it's, it's almost out of batteries. How can you tell it's out of batteries? Because it's making a weird sound. It's making like a squeaking sound whenever I touch one of its buttons or touch the wheel. So you think it needs new batteries? Yeah, it's making a weird squeak sound. Oh, okay. So do you want me to change the batteries? Yeah, right now. Well, I'm doing a podcast right now, bud. <laughs> Didn't look happy about that. Right now. Hello. Microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. I can't. I can't uh, interact with Henry. Oh, he doesn't have his headphones on. That's why. I know. Uh, okay, but now you're clicking things. Well, if you, I get. Do I have a screwdriver around here? Yeah. If you want to bring me uh, batteries and your train, I'll do it for you. Okay, I'll I'll go get batteries from the hallway. And don't forget the train. He has. A, right. I have two things to say about that interaction. One, he has. He has the, this the most. Is he coming back? Are you standing on a scale? How much does he weigh? Does he need to lose a little? Forty-two pounds. Uh, Henry, come on, get it together. <laughs> what did I say, bud? Really letting yourself go, Henry. Zero. Up oh, zero. He weighs nothing now. He's a weight. Oh, there you go. All right, well, then now you now you weigh too light. Um, he says the quintessential stereotypical uh, kid way of saying weird, which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> I have a screwdriver here, bud. So if you bring it to me, I can do it here. Next time he comes in, I want to, I want to, I want to give give him some headphones. I have some headphones ready. I want to, I want to interact with Henry. The other thing is, uh, this kid is gonna. I mean. If podcasting is still a thing, or any form of radio is still a thing, which I probably won't be, let's be fair, um, he's going to be the the king of it. He already knows to lean in. He like just automatically leans in. <laughs> he's like, Hello, "Well, here's the thing I'm saying about the batteries. Let me just uh, make sure I'm you know front and center <laughs> in front of this microphone." Well, you know, he joins. 
he joins the podcast frequently when I'm recording with Dory on the weekends. I um, guess he, yeah, it's got to be production value added for Excellent Adventure. That's the, so, the fruits of your labor. And, and when we're doing the podcast here uh, with uh, during the week and he's home, it's just, you know, it's just more opportunity for Henry to invade our space. I'm going to do... You know, now, what else is going on? <laughs> I'm going to do a... Um, a poll of That's how many listeners how many oh to poll how many listeners listen to excellent adventure or found it through excellent adventure okay thanks bud let me try that again <laughs> he's got to try the scale again everybody uh jeff the max jeff the human and maximus the dog says i'm reasonably certain that the first time we see miles out of uniform is when he hurts his shoulder kayaking in the holodeck in TNG Season 3, Episode 25, Transfiguration. That's true. Thank you, Jeff and Maximus. Uh, that's a great miles out of uniform thing. However, my memory is, and I could be wrong, does he still have his sleeves rolled up? <laughs> no, when he's kayaking? No. Yeah. All no. Right. Um, then... Uh, the 88 strike and quote shades of gray this is a correction thomas gill says hi guys uh shades of gray was not a result of the strike but the child was a result of the strike other episodes didn't get much of a polish due to time constraints when the strike ended shades of gray was due to lack of funding and reusing sets that had already been set up on a lot of other productions to save money before bottle shows figure were figured out thomas a fucking cavalcade in here now. Here comes Bo. Well, we're done with the hills. Hi, Bo. It was 91. 91? You have you put on some pounds, bud. Okay. <laughs> it's interesting you put that right in front of the door. It seems like that's self-punishing, Matt. It is on purpose. What's up? 44.8 this time. 44.8. Well, that makes sense. Henry, guess what? This screwdriver is not working. Because what is he opening? Is that a gun? When it gets in here, what are you talking about? What are you holding? It's a golden train. Oh, oh here. It seemed like it wouldn't have been a thing that uh, no that that you guys would have given him immediately. <laughs> no. My word. Does he have anything like a blaster or anything? Hmm. He's got a he's got a Neutrona wand from a proton pack. All right, yeah. Ooh. get out of here, Siri. Uh, we're done with the hails. Uh, if you'd like you to send are. a hail, busy with you can send one to sdtncpod at gmail dot com. Please put the title of the episode in the subject heading somewhere. Um, and if you want to tweet or send a DM to Matt, is at Matt Myra. My Instagram is at Andrew Secunda. My uh, Twitter Twitter is at Secunda, if you want to tweet or Instagram the show or follow us there, it's at Star Trek TNC at both places. And um, you want to send us a voice hail, it's 816 Trek TNC. Okie dokie. Just dealing with some train stuff, guys. No problem. You were caught off guard because I was unusually brisk. How brisk? Brisk enough for us to beam out and say, disengage? Yeah, we're done. Wow. Disengage. <laughs> Disengage. Oh, no.
Enjoy your enjoy your saucer section. <laughs> oh, I guess that'd be a runabout. Enjoy your runabout. <laughs> Here's the station. Varies. It's bigger than a runabout. That that's part of the show. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. So plug TNC in your little Borg node. Let's talk about this week's episode. This week's episode. Hang on. Yeah. Oh, that's good, bud. And you got the right. He got the right screwdriver. Everybody, this is unbelievable. Jesus Christ! This kid. He's gonna rule the yeah. world. Why am I podcasting? Because it's my only source of income. Because <laughs> I want to be able to have interaction with him in these situations. Because he clearly is going to be someone I need to know in the future. <laughs> when he has a podcast empire. Um, by the way, the uh, my friend's wife's birthday is on May sixteenth. You were asking. That's tomorrow. That's Dory's birthday. Weird. Yeah, I do have a kitchen mask. That's right. Why is there I have it written down. Cause I buy, cause I I bought that and the kitchen mat, bud. All right, here we go. I'm gonna put these two batteries in here, AAA batteries. Okay, if anyone's wondering why this is the best Star Trek podcast in the world, this should be your answer. Um, have you ever heard this happen on a podcast? Didn't think so. How do you, how do you guys handle your? Uh... Your birthdays, like for those of you who don't, who get uh, have issues Bud, you, with your birthday, oh. how do you? What do you do? What should I do? Okay. I tried to do charity one year. That was fine. That that helped a little bit. Although I went with my friend. What's your hangup? This is my question to you. I don't What's know. It's not specifically aging or right. mortality. It's I wouldn't think something so. something subterranean, probably about expectations. <laughs> Oh, well, that's your first mistake, having any expectations. What, do you just there skate you by on your birthday? I don't even remember. Uh, on my birthday, I uh, like to have some cake. Sure. I love a cake. A couple, you know, people Box saying cake. happy birthday. A couple people saying happy birthday to me, and I'm good. Like, you, I don't. You need, you need a couple people saying happy birthday? I would like it. I'd like Oh, some, Interesting. Some just to indicate, indicate that there's some people out there that care about you. Right. Yeah. Right. But that's it. That's all I need. Yeah. Theoretically. I think there is a, uh, I think to me it's a marker. It kind of probably goes along with the FOMO. There's a marker in my head of like, this is the day I should be enjoying myself. Or I should be, it should be exceptional or it should be something. That's your problem. I mean, it's never going to I've had a couple of years because... where it's just like, this is crazy, this birthday. This is amazing. But it's very rare. You are always worried about not doing the perfect thing. That's true. <laughs> so on a day like, you know, your birthday, May 20th, uh, your expectations, I mean, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I you, mean, could, you could do something fun and you'll be worried that it's not fun enough. <laughs> that is exactly right. <laughs> it's like, eh, you know. That's why I have so many, so much, so many problems writing. <laughs> right. There's no level of perfection that is like, this is great. What broken piece? I wonder if this kid's going to follow suit 
with his father's temperament. Oh, you put the you put you put the lens on your head and it broke. Yeah. Okay. Well, you should have done that. Did you try to wear it like a yarmulke? Yeah, I put it on my head. He knows what a yarmulke is. Of course he does. Is he going to be bar mitzvahed? I mean, when he's thirteen, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't asking now. (laughs) Come on, Um, there are rules, Andy. All right. Well, we're ready to start the show. I don't know if we are, because my son might come back and. <laughs> All right. Well, tell us, we wanna, tell, us, we tell us something else. It's true. You know, something else might happen. Who knows? But in the meantime, I can at least tell you that this show, The Circle, aired the 3rd of October, 1993. And Andy can tell us what was happening. The number one song in the U.S. Mm-hmm. was Dream Lover by Mariah Carey. Number one song in the U.K., Shake the Room by DJ Jazzy Jeff and The Fresh Prince. Just think of Avery Brooks in a convertible pulling into Paramount with this playing. <laughs> Just blasting it. <laughs> And then then Alexander Siddig pulls in next to him, also bumping this at base camp. Because it's on the radio. Right, and they smile at each other. and They they just bop in their heads. And then everybody at base camp is just going nuts to Dream Lover. I actually, there's nothing could be more joyful about the two of them than getting out of their cars and doing like perfectly in sync, like (laughs) (laughs) dance moves. I mean, you know, you know, they're listening to like fucking Kiss FM or something, you know, because it's 1993. That's all you had was the radio. (laughs) Um, I think uh, younger people are very uh, nostalgic about the 90s. It just seems like a black hole to me. What do you? The music is fine. There's a lot of good music in there in that in that decade, but the just the style is so icky to me. The style is is it's hilarious. I see, I see people walking down the street, and I'm like that that you are fucking straight out of 1994. This is unbelievable. They love it. You're saying ironically, or or just like I'm taking the style from this period. No, people like you know like I'll see girls in like baggy flannels and yes like, but they're aping that style they're not right yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's like but it's like such a good job that i don't know if it's purposeful or not but the uh like if i was doing a 90s show i would have the costume people change nothing i'd be like they look great right they look right. like they're in 1994 perfect right. thank you yeah they love it um <clears throat> okay uh Number one alternative song, No Rain by Blind Melon. Number one movie that week. That's Malice. what Calmini's listening to when he pulls in. <laughs> and who pulls in next to him listening to the same thing? The not visitor, obviously. <laughs> uh, number one TV show that week. Home Improvement, birth that week, actor Angus T. Jones, Two and a Half Men, events, Michael Jordan announces his retirement from basketball. Interesting. Um, 
Time Magazine cover, The Trial of Mahmoud the Red, World Trade Center Bomber. Exciting. <laughs> That's it. All right. Uh, check in. What was going on in the rest of the Trek universe? Oh, is that what we do now? We do. Mm, are you sure? I'm just kidding. I'm buying time. Hopefully. <laughs> so that I can find it. But I won't find it. Best Star Trek. Damn it. Best. There are others. Oh, sure. Do they have information? Sure. But are they organized? Sure. In a smooth fashion? You don't need that. You need this. It doesn't feel real to you, does it? Um, I'm like... Does Henry... Henry's, is Henry watching any Trek yet? I show him, like, little clips and stuff. Uh-huh. Does he seem engaged or he's... Mm. No. no, no pun intended. It's not a pun, just reference. Um, he's not going to carry it. No, uh, here it is. Elsewhere in track. Let's see what's out there. Engage. On October fourth, TNG aired Interface, wherein Jordy processed his mom's death with the help of an alien in a VR suit. Shortly thereafter, as noted in the Akuda's chronology, Captain Picard was attacked by mercenaries and apparently vaporized. Of course, this was not the end of Jean-Luc Picard, because no Starfleet captain deserves to die alone in some random bar fight. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So true. It's really reasonable. Um, That's it. Now we can start talking about the episodes. Okie dokie. So The Circle aired, as we said, the 3rd of October, 93, written by Peter Allen Fields and directed by Corey Allen. Cisco and Odo work to reveal the real force behind The Circle's coup. This is part two of three. Now, let me just say off the top. Okay. This episode was so much more engaging to me than the last episode. And I don't, I'm not fully sure why. Maybe just because everything's sort of moving along. It felt like, it felt like there was some real plot momentum here. Um, is this, out of curiosity. Yes. The first time that Majel Barrett has said, and now the continuation. As opposed to. Oh, the conclusion? Yeah. Uh, maybe. I, that sounds like some good trivias. Frankly, Commander, I'm surprised at your reaction. Oh, I don't think much surprises you, Minister. But I was expecting you to be celebrating. I was under the impression Major Kira's been nothing but trouble to Who you. Who gave you that impression? Common knowledge? Major Kira has my complete respect. She's been invaluable in establishing this command post. And now she's been dismissed without anyone consulting me, and I don't appreciate it. Commander, Starfleet doesn't consult us when they wish to promote one of their officers. Are you suggesting that this is a promotion for Kira? Certainly it is. We need to find the proper spot for her. After all, she's the one who brought Leonalis back to us. Well, then, that's a different matter. Um, 
the the Frank Langella's perfect sliminess is so great. He's, I mean, obviously he's a great actor, but it really is interesting that in this part that he didn't give a crap about, doesn't know the show. He just first of all he makes the the correct choice, which is yeah I got a thing on my nose and I know that I'm in a sci-fi show. I'm just going to play this guy as legitimately as I can. I'm not going to do any weird spins. <laughs> um, what would be? Uh, give me, give me, give me the reading <laughs> when he woke when he first saw the makeup on and tried the weird spin in his trailer. Like what? Uh, I see, like? I see, I see. So it's kind of a it's, it's going to be a, a little bit of a of a well uh, I don't think this station is uh, operating according to my plans <laughs> something like that <laughs> I mean, he, look at his look at his skeletor you'll probably get something more right. I'm glad he chose uh, not to do that it's so good you're totally right so perfectly oily him and fucking Louise Fletcher just out of the gate such great villains in a way that's like it's very unusual and I think that Amanda Plummer's Vatic is like more typical of like I'm gonna swagger around and like ah ha 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 and these guys are just like no you hate them immediately but they're understandable you can see what they want out of this situation more or less it's just and it's such a controlled performance it's really great and it really highlights how great a commander and good at navigating these situations cisco is like when he says i thought you'd want to get rid of her um and and cisco cuts him off and is just like who told you that and it's like clearly he's been getting intel from someone on the inside. Cisco's like, "Why don't you tell me who your fucking source is?" He's like, uh, "Common knowledge." <laughs> it's like great subtext. I just love it. Uh, I agree. But then we come upon this scene, which this—I will say this out loud. This is my favorite scene so far in Deep Space Nine. I'm interested to hear why. This is the scene where they all come in and it's a, yes. it's a com- comedy is, of entrances. This is... You're not. Leaving? I really don't have much choice, do I? You're not just leaving, Major. You're surrendering. You break the rules you pay. Wait a minute. I want to be sure I heard that correctly. Because it doesn't sound like the Kira Norris who has made a career out of breaking the rules. Well, I guess I broke one too many. Major, you've been breaking one too many for 14 and a half years. Cardassian rules, Bajoran rules, Federation rules. They're all meaningless to you because you have a personal code that's always mattered more. And I'm sorry to say you're in slim company. I'll miss you too, Odo. <laughs> uh, so off the bat, right off the bat, we get we get some good. I mean, this is all this all feels like good character work. Oh, for sure. In in the form of my favorite uh, form of comedy, the farce. <laughs> That's the part of it that I'm I'm a little bit more weird on. Particularly the the way that this scene is blocked is not particularly comedic. It is written comedic, and they're trying to play it comedic. But it's it's like they all come in, they're blocked weird. It's not like they're intrusive. They're just sort of all standing in different parts of the room in a weird spread out way in a, in a very wide shot. So I think it's more the the handling of it comedically. But 
in terms of the the thing you're saying, just like the, the character building and the whatever. The other the other thing that's so amazing in this scene, and I'm sure you're going to play more of it, mm-hmm. is actually maybe we should get just get further in. Sure. Really well. Once I smoothed your rough edges. Yes. Am I disturbing anything? Stick around. You can help me cry in my synthale. I thought I should return this epidelic lotion. No, if you like it. Oh, it's wonderful. Well, then keep it. How can you be chatting about skin lotion at a time like this? Do you have any idea where you'll be stationed? Come in. Not yet. They say that after I've taken some leave time, I've earned a desk at the Foreign Affairs Building somewhere. Doctor. Foreign Affairs Building? I came to give you my best. Well, that's rather dull. I beg your pardon? Dull is a polite word for it. Doctor, if you were Kira, wouldn't you at least be complaining to Commander Sisko? Look, I just wanted to wish you good luck. Thank you, Doctor. Complaining about what? Never mind, Doctor. It's really if swaffed hair, though. Why should we? Have they given you any reason yet? Did they give you any alternative? I do care. No, they haven't. No, they didn't. I really ought to finish packing. You said she doesn't care. You mean about leaving the station? By all means, come on in. She's done well here. She ought to stay here. And I say she could use a little support from her friends, Doctor. Well, yes, certainly. But if her uh, orders were to... Chief, come in. I didn't mean to intrude. I, I was just... Don't worry, Chief. It's all been said. I have a good deal more to say, thank you, Doctor. Look, I could come back. Otto, leave her alone. This is Kira's decision to make. Unless, of course, you want me to talk to Cisco. I knew what I was do- doing. Um, I knew the risk. That's not what she asked. I'd just like to say, Major, it's it's been a pleasure serving with you. Uh, what'd you say, bud? I said I could come hang out with you. She said he could come hang out with me? Yeah. Ugh. Uh, well, right now, we're talking about this scene from Deep Space Nine. Don't touch those buttons. Lily Henry. friends? Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen Deep Space Nine? No. Have you ever seen Star Trek? No. Have you ever seen The Enterprise? No. Have you ever seen Captain Picard? No. Or do, you have a, do you have a painting of Benjamin Sisko in your playroom? Yes, you do. <laughs> just a liar. I he mean, liar. he just says no constantly. Then we have it on record. That's going to follow him around the rest of his life. Unbelievable. I could turn number two off. Thank you for turning number two off. I appreciate it. Why did you want number two off? Because that's Mama's microphone, and I don't need that on right now. I don't like that I'm cut yeah, off. I can't, can't question him. Can't get in his head. Yeah, number one is my microphone. Yeah, but number and and three and four also your microphone. Well, three and four are actually the computer. Oh yeah, so one is your microphone, two is Mama's microphone, and three and four are the computers. Yeah, he already understands this better than I do. Yeah, we need the computers on so three and four on. We need your microphone on so one's on, but we don't need Mama's microphone on because she's not here. Yeah, because she's recording in hers. Yeah, wait. She is hey, recording Matt. in her office. Matt, when you get a chance, can you read my uh, my TV pilot uh, baby sound engineer? <laughs> baby sound engineer sounds great. <laughs> Henry, if you want to hang out in here, you can, but I got to get back to recording. Okay. Whoa. It got tangled up. Where's your foot? 
What's happening? I feel like the, we 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 need to lower the 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 volume. Your levels were too high. And <laughs> uh, now I got bow barking. This is like a comedy of errors. Except for the comedy part. Woo! Bow. Bow bow. <coughs> oh my goodness. This is a disaster. What is he barking at? What is Bo barking at? Yeah. I don't know. Bo! This is why you have a family to distract you on your birthday. You got to take care of other people, not take care of your own stupid brain. Uh, hi. So, hi. this scene. <laughs> the one thing we, uh, uh, we missed was the uh, the epidelic lotion. It was another made-up word. word you know. Come in. Will someone please explain this conversation to me? A party! <laughs> For you, I want to reduce my catering it's rates. not a party. Buddha, what's that? Bottle of my favorite Cynthia, I think. That's very thoughtful, Quark. It's also very small. I was anticipating a far smaller <laughs> gathering. I thought perhaps an intimate farewell drink, a sympathetic smile, a shoulder to cry on. Well, as I was saying, Major... You'd be surprised how often that works with women. Is this a joke? Did you plan this? Nobody could have planned this. Oh, we're open for business. Come on in. Join the crowd. Vedic Burile. I hope I'm not interrupting. So no, is she already into in. him at this point? She's well, just, I think she's this just reaction admires is the, him. the the yeah, Avedic is here. Gotcha, gotcha. A religious leader is here gotcha. visiting oh, her quarters. I cut off the thing. Play played from here. These are my These are my friends. So any new track we would have seen them for a few episodes and they would be so impatient to get to this point in the show. <laughs> that everybody they would just skip over when they built you know a b- bond and they would have them acting like this one thing that sort of strikes me is you could have done that we watched these people for a season already we don't know what their time down is we assume that kira and dax are you know have sort of a a, a friendship and there's obviously a bond between kira and cisco um they take this moment to really have her realize it and and it's appropriate and it is like yeah it's weird we're still all sort of getting to know each other and we've been working together and it's mostly work relationships but you know what these people are my friends that's why they're here they care about me and I really liked it and I, you don't see it in shows in general that often because they do usually jump over the moment of realization that your friend that people are friends um, I really I dig mean, it it also works very well because of the whole episode being about her leaving the station. Sure. And this is what she's leaving behind. The, you know, these people who over the last season uh, have become her friends and uh, she's never admitted it. <laughs> I love now. that. I love that. She would not admit it. None of them really would admit it except for no. Bashir, who would think yeah. he's probably best friends with everybody. He is best friends with everybody. And that's what I like about her stopping Odo when Odo is sort of just. Also, I love the like you. I think you were pointing. You were sort of stopping on this, but the Odo basically has so much admiration and connection to her, but is still kind of caught off guard when she's like, "I'll miss you too, Odo," because <laughs> <laughs> um, he can't. He can't admit it. Odo's yeah. kind of a, a rocket character in some ways. 
sort of denying his connection to people. Rocket Raccoon, that is. Mm. Uh, yeah, without the dumb voice, he is. Oh, you don't like Bradley? Violence has seriously Rock, escalated. Uh, Bradley's. Uh, that was that was like the biggest that when that when I first heard that voice, I was like, "This is a mistake." I had that feeling too when I first heard it. You you had, you didn't have any connection to the comic, did you? No. Yeah, uh, I thought I thought that too. I would say over time, I've grown an appreciation for it. Oh, for sure. I have the, as well. The performance is good, so good, and the comedically, he's so uh, skilled that it doesn't, you know, I was one over. But I agree with you. It's sort of a weird giant swing. It's like he, like Frank Langella, he did something in his trailer, but instead of deciding not to do it, he decided to do it. <laughs> well, he can't just do it like himself. <laughs> it almost seems there are more weapons on the street now than during the occupation. How could that be? Where would they be coming from? I try to concentrate on more spiritual matters. Yes, of course. I mean, I didn't mean to suggest that you... I understand your duties here are finished. Yes, they are. Do you have any immediate plans? (laughs) I haven't really had much chance to give it any thought. Then perhaps I have the perfect solution. Come and stay at our monastery for a while. It can help when the spirit gets a little bruised. It's not a close talker. Thank Look, you. Prophets, the prophets tell him something. He's uh, he's all for it. <laughs> he's like, whatever the prophets show, that's what I'll make happen. I can get you one of these robes. <laughs> but it um, turned out better than I expected. I'm sure it will for you as well. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do here. How does a Navark fit into this command structure? He's got to listen to the hail I understand the position. You report directly to the prophets. But from time to time, I might ask your help. Commander, anything you need from me, I will try my best to do. But I know that I can never replace Major Kira. I think he can and will. This will. This is. We're all going to be big Lee Nass fans coming out of this <laughs> season and into into this next five seasons. Is he the new? Uh, he's the new Pulaski. It's crooked. It's crooked. I've been adjusting it for an hour. It looks fine from over here, but then I go over there, and it's. <sighs> Let me ask you this. Where'd they shoot this? You thinking that maybe this was shot in a counter at Farpoint place? I'm I'm wondering because at first I was like, oh, this is a fun set. But now I'm thinking about the build. With the water? Yeah, and I'm like... "Mm." This has to be a set. If if it isn't, then they really made it look like a set. (laughs) Is that your question? Is this location? Yeah. Followed Followed up by... Is it outside? Or did they just do a really good job of blowing out the back? Oh, I guess it could be some kind of weird atrium or something. And then they blew out the back. What if she's in a mall fountain? (laughs) (laughs) 
This isn't working, Veronica. <laughs> yeah, I think this too. You're too deep with trees, so I think this was shot outside huh. somehow. But the background is the thing that makes me think. But although I guess you're right, they might just have blown it out. Yeah. Um. And it's like you know, beyond that is an office building. Well, perhaps you'd. It also could be like Huntington Gardens. Well, yeah. Let me look here. Does it say? I don't like this outfit on Kira. I guess it's appropriate for a weird monastery. Vests? Yeah. It's like a weird long sweater vest. It's a long vest. It's a long knit sweater vest. I was very confused. Seems too hot for that. Maybe she felt the same way, and that's why the prophet's vision, she gets naked. (laughs) The Chamber of Ministers. Dax. Listen to them, Kira. I can't hear them. It's all right. Listen. <sighs> I thought for sure. Can you hear them now? They were going to make out. You thought for sure that <laughs> once she pulls away and sees that it's Vedic Win, then they make out? <laughs> that, that was when she was going to make out. <laughs> uh, the, way, the way she hugs Dax seems too emotional and then she it's she it seemed like there was a little bit of an edge on the i would think you'd be excited like if you're going in for like some sort of spiritual vision and you see your friend i guess that's fair like that'd be very immediately hug them tearfully i'd hug you thanks man i hear the major they're calling to me don't listen to him narice allow yourself to hear them they are calling to you. I like how he shows up in her uniform. <laughs> oh, interesting. Don't say everybody in a and dream then, is then, another version of us. Nothing. And then she's not wearing any clothes. Listen so. to them, Nerese. Help me to hear them. This is trippy, you know? I'd be tripping balls here. <laughs> is that what it is? Are the orbs just some weird mushroom psychedelic? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like licking a frog. <laughs> Now the provisional government is bringing troops into the capital. Troops? That will put an end to the circle. Do you keep your eyes open up there, old friend? I always do. I've got a ton of them. Watch this. No, I haven't made any progress in finding... <laughs> a head full of eyes. ...finding the ones who assaulted you. It's over, Odo. The investigation isn't closed. It's no, just a matter of... You don't understand. It's over. What are you talking about? Everything. Bayshore, the provisional government, the Federation being here, all of it. We gotta leave. Well, I do anyway. You could just turn into a couch. You mean because of this circle business? <laughs> They're just a bunch of hooligans who use violence to get attention. I happen to know they have enough weapons and explosives and supplies to support an army. How do you know that? I've been asking questions of people who don't answer questions from people like you. Where would the circle be getting so many weapons? So, what do you think here? I think a lot I of li- things. I like I like Quark doing this because yeah, this is ultimately in his best interest. <laughs> well, that's what's kind of nice about it is that it is like uh, the, this is why I don't generally I don't I don't understand anyone who wants to destabilize civilization to the point where it's like we're not going to have civilization anymore because then everybody loses. So by the same token, it's like, well, if everything is screwed up here, then everybody loses. So 
Um, I really like that. I really like this thing that's like as it would be in any in any destabilized nation where it's not all worked out. It's like there's all these weird factions fighting for power. It's like the Bajorans aren't all just like the good guys. It just really, it's really a very sophisticated, which is of course the thing that people say about this, is a very sophisticated political structure for a sci-fi show, right. um, particularly coming from Star Trek, where it's so, generally speaking, obviously TNG got much more uh, sophisticated, but generally speaking, it's very much... Uh, an us versus them thing given that it's a it's such a progressive show um and here it's like you never know who who you're supposed to be siding with at any point so there's that was it in the vision that they tell her be useless narice or is that someone who is that what the guy says to her i think that might be what the guy says to her yeah after the after the thing? right yeah i Where guess she that's says it. she's not an artist right he says be useless a lot of the prophets guide you which i thought was really interesting advice because that is a thing that's very hard to accept to not be controlling and push things in a certain direction and then my last uh thing well there's two 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 other things did you want to jump in here before i get to my other things go ahead no one thing is the orb having sex with Kira? Is that what's happening there? It's like taking the form of all these different people. Or the I don't prophets. know what the orb's doing. Like, if it's a hallucination or something like that, then it's just like, she's she's just she's having a sexy dream. Gotcha. Um, and then the last thing, uh, at 1820, when Odo's talking to the guy, if you go back to that for a second, just mm-hmm. for you to see it, um, it looks like he's talking to a guy on a baseball card to me. It's the only appearance of this friend. of this screen in, in in Odo's office, this little thin little screen. But yes, I agree with that. It did look like a it looked like a more like a like a Pokemon card. Yeah. Like this guy that guy's like Maybe an NBA card. That guy's worth nothing. Like you put him down to play him and it's like <laughs> he's a common you know, he's a common card. <laughs> Woodcrafts. Definitely the way to go. Is that where the prophets led you? Yeah, lots of uh, hammers and nails and saws surrounded by monks and Vedics. Very safe and secure. You don't want to talk about it? No. Can I tell you something very personal? Here he goes. You know, you know what I think this is. I think this is Descanso Garden. Last time I encountered the third orb. Really? Yeah. You were part of my vision. Me. It's the reason I came to the station to invite you here. What? What part did I play in your vision? The sexy part. (laughs) Was I clothed? Uh. I love this scene when Cisco goes down to Bajor. We met during a session of the executive committee last year. I remember, Commander. I was impressed by your talk. As I recall, you disagreed with all of it. Yes. But you presented your arguments well. What can I do for you? I understand you're in command of the forces defending the city. I'd hardly call it defending the city. There is concern in some quarters 
But the military is unwilling to confront the forces of the Circle. I don't know with whom you've been speaking, Commander. I've been observing troop movements. Every time there is a potential confrontation, the military withdraws to a safer position. You can't possibly appreciate that this is Bajoran against Bajoran. I appreciate that the provisional government will stand only if the military supports it. We are all patriots, Commander. We have intelligence that the Circle is being armed by the Kasari. Uh, it was for actually Ferndell. Hmm. At, uh... The Griffith, at Griffith, whatever the hell it's called. Hmm. You know, not observatory, but... It's a public park, uh... And, uh, Andy and I, we, sh we should go walk around there. I'd like that. Let's let's just walk around and ask if we saw each other in our hallucinations. Did you see me in your hallucination, Andy? <laughs> we were both naked, but we were eating. Kasari. <laughs> I hadn't heard that. We've been trying to track the movement of those shipments. If we could determine where they're stored, then we could... I'd like to know. You'll be the first one I contact. Thank you. There is one other thing, General. My first officer, Major Kira Norris. Yes, I know Major Kira. I understand she hasn't been reassigned yet. It would mean a great deal to me to get her back. That's out of my purview, Commander. You might want to discuss it with Minister Jaro. Commander Sisko. You told me about the Krasari before you asked the favor regarding Kira. You could have tried to trade that information for the favor. I wouldn't do that. I'll remember that about you. He's playing chess, you know, everyone else is playing checkers. I really like it. It's really great. It's so subtle. I mean, it's uh, I, I, everything that's happening in this episode. I like it because it's all it's all humming along. Yeah, the plot and it's moving very. It's moving, and it's the kind of thing that that the comments uh, have been, or the the hails and everything have been sort of talking about is even in the episodes that we don't really dig. They're like, yeah, but this sets up blah blah blah. And I still feel like you got to have the story work on right. its own. But here is a thing where it's like there's a lot of setup going on here, it feels like. And it's all really, it's like reading a good political, you know, thriller novel. It's really interesting. Uh, what'd you think of uh, Odo smuggling himself in? Uh, I like it. <laughs> Again, a lot of loose and fast with mass and volume. Uh, sure. Unless he only sent part of himself there, and like he's like he just. That's his. What if it was a? Uh, what if it was like a, a hand face that uh, that starts talking yeah, to Kira? Like, what if it was? Like what if he just cut? Like he just lopped his arm off, and then his arm smuggled in. And then you see like an arm, an arm carrying a pad, like thing yeah. from the Adams family, Come just in. carrying a pad across the floor. I didn't hear you. I'm sorry if I interrupted your meditation. Daydream. Daydreaming. 
I think I remember doing that a long, long time ago. What is he getting at? Riding a bicycle, it comes back to you right away. I think he's—it's his way of saying, "I wish I had fucking had time for that," but shit's going down. (laughs) That's what it is. Yeah. And the other thing is her response of, "I've discovered it's like a bicycle; it comes back to you right away." Sounds almost like they're like, it's like code words for spies to make sure. Sure. (laughs) But the winter is brisk this season it's the middle of summer that guy's gotta be a spy <laughs> can I bring you back to reality for a minute back to reality back or to back to reality. PS9 are you still interested a lot has happened here I oh, sexy dream. an orb commander I'm not sure whether it had sex with me or not it's given me a great deal to think about and he's not sure they do have a way of doing that don't they Kira knows. <laughs> well, I just came to let you know that we haven't given up yet. But for the moment, there seem to be some bigger problems for the leaders down here. I heard the gunfire in the distance. That distance is getting closer. The circle is for real, Major. They've been armed for a coup. And I'm not at all convinced that the military is going to back the provisional government. I didn't realize it. Um. Then she gets taken. I guess I'll say then, one thing about the Odo yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like his strategy is bad in that scene. To turn into a mouse or rat, rather. No, it's not that. It's the things he does in that scene almost seem like he's acting like a rat more than Odo as a rat. So when he turns into a rat, does he also think like a rat? You are really like, that is, I don't know if you train animals at the Andy Secunda School of Specific Acting, but that's on the rat. (laughs) The rat is just not a good performance. Yeah, the rat's not playing a rat as though the rat was Odo. The rat was just playing a rat. (laughs) That's fair. Just seems like his strategy is weird. So, you're involved with the Circle. I am the Circle, Major. Now I understand why you wanted to ship Lean Alice off to the station. The last thing I need right now is a great war hero capturing the devotion of the Bajoran people. How can you betray your own government? Major, I don't have to tell you. I've heard your opinion of this government. Government. I can't even agree it is a government, so they call it provisional. It's just another word for powerless. I won't allow the so comfortable with to his, be powerless. His and instrument, what actors call their body. Uh, it is a little weird that like he's the information he wants to get out of her is like a hypothetical mm-hmm. <laughs> of like what would the Federation do if this happened? Yeah, if you're not going to tell me, I'm going to torture you. Yeah, I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> I guess he wants he wants to know if there are protocols or. Mr. Jaro, you vote to change it. You don't sneak up from behind it with a dagger. We'll discuss politics at another time. I need to know, please, what the Federation will do once our objective becomes clear. Major, I've heard you have no love for the Federation. I'm not an unreasonable man. I'm willing to send you back to the station if that's what you want. I'll give you that station after we get rid of Starfleet. Now, do you believe they will continue to support the provisional government? How about our own military? I'd worry about them first if I were you. 
What will the Federation do, Major? What will Cisco do? You know him better than any Bajoran. Something clever, probably. Um... Odo blackmailed me into helping him. A matter which I've been meaning to bring to your attention, Commander. Quark. <laughs> I managed to find out where the Circle's headquarters is. In the labyrinths beneath the Parikian Peninsula. Cisco. I'll tell you who's the MVC making a strong case right now. Yeah. Quark. Yeah. Strong Quark. case. To I mean, to the, to the degree that everybody's attitude toward him here is pretty weird. <laughs> it's like they would be pretty happy. Well, I mean, it's like he's always coming up here with nonsense. Probably go. constantly complaining about something at ops. Commander, I'm going. No, it's too dangerous. Don't you understand? I can do this. I don't know what it means to be a Navark, but I can fight in the trenches and I take orders well. Besides, I overwon. Well, uh, I do love that. There's that line. The, 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 the Cisco line about O'Brien being a transporter genius. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Like, like, hey, I heard about this shit on the Enterprise. <laughs> Lieutenant, you're with me, Mr. O'Brien. You'll be our pilot. Configure the runabout sensors for a full sweep of the peninsula. Once we find the base, I'll be depending a great deal on your famous transporter talents. Aye, sir. <laughs> famous transporter talents, which is a I've great... read uh, Chief O'Brien at work. <laughs> it's a great hand wavy sort of thing built into the canon that allows you to sort of suspend disbelief of how Chief O'Brien's able to lock on and beam these people into caves and take them out and it's like, it was was great. It was great. I really like that too. I also like the the Odo Quark gambits with each other i think i think i love that they're they're playing the gambits to the top of their intelligence it's not it's not all dumb quark is greedy stuff right it's then a galaxy class starship (gasps) where the hell is it coming from she touched the hot stove find the stove you'll find her (laughs) and call for transport immediately let's do it like the guy, the Engage. guy in the background. There's a, the guy, uh, anonymous Bajoran number two. Sure. Behind uh, Bashir, looks at what the other actors are doing and then does what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Take a the look. Worst, I'm, so, I'm sure nobody talked to him on the set, so it's not the worst thought. <laughs> here he is, right here. Yeah. And just take a look when everyone when when when. Uh, Lee Nallis uh, looks at the communicator at the com badge. He then looks at his. <laughs> Anyone who finds Kira, pin this on her and call for transport immediately. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one too. Uh, I, I should do that. Yeah. That oh, is that what those are? Oh. That look good. That look good. <laughs> Never seen the show. Ouch. Do not talk. We have to assume Jara will move quickly now that we've got you back. Lee is the only chance we've got. Me? Jaro knows you're the only force that could stop him. If we could get him to the Chamber of Ministers. It's much too great a risk. He'd be dead before he had a chance to speak. Courtesy of a Cardassian weapon. The circle's being supplied by the Cardassians. What? I borrowed the proof. It's got a gull's thumb scan on it. The circle hates the Cardassians. They don't know it is the Cardassians. 
They think they've been buying from Krasari traders. I don't know. That's a layer I don't need. That the Cardassians are behind it? That they don't know the Cardassians are behind it? Like, I like the idea of the Cardassians are behind it and they don't care. That's how power hungry they are. Yes. Also, it might be they're making their deal in the short term and figure, well, we'll deal with the Cardassians later. I understand. Why would the Cardassians want to help Jaro if he hates them? Because it gets them what they want the most. Rid of us. They're just using Jaro. Once the Federation is forced to leave, the Cardassians come back. We've got to do something. I've got to do something. Why does the Circle not see this eventuality? They just think they Cisco can handle to us. Go ahead. Well, right now they're not... I think they're just... They're really macroing here in a way that is not including the Cardassians in the equation at all. Oh, that's dumb. Well, they don't realize they're buying weapons from the Cardassians. Yeah, but they got to assume that the Cardassians are always lurking around. You know what it is? It's hubris. From, hubris of what? From from Jaro and and Vatic Wynn. But is that just in the sense of it being arrogant? In the sense of them thinking they can handle the Cardassians, like right, right, right. We'll be able to handle it. It's yeah. fine. Right. X, open a channel to Bajor. Tell them that Navark Lee Nullis wants to address the Chamber of Ministers on subspace. I can't do it, Benjamin. All frequencies to Bajor are jammed. We lost... She really looked like, oh, man, I, I don't want to tell him. Are you going to tell him? No, I don't want to tell him. <laughs> and then when, when he, he's like, oh, fuck, I got to tell him. All right. Bajor's jammed their communications. Man. David. Uh, I think they changed X's spots again, FYI. Okay. Thank you for noting that. Spot watch. Spot watch. 23. I fear my voice is rarely heard. That can change. Can it? Think of the prestige of having the new leader of Bajor being a member of your order. There's a there's a part here where they turn towards each other and that yeah. like I'm I was watching it and I'm like, wait, she hasn't put that flame out. <laughs> It'd be so funny <laughs> if she ignited both of them. <laughs> like right here. Like everything in my power. To see that you are. This felt very Dune and Tantooine. Tantooine. Deserty. Future deserty. I guess and also Stargate. Assault vessels are headed this way in direct course from Bajor. They've given all non-Bajorans seven hours to evacuate. Wait, what, which assault vessels? What were they? Commander! Two assault vessels are headed this way and direct. They don't say who's assault vessels. They're just assault vessels. Oh. Are you up to date on my communiques? I think so, Commander. How's it look? Not good. Jaro has the military, communications have been cut off, and assault vessels are on the way here. Are you preparing to withdraw? Admiral, we've just obtained evidence that the Circle has been receiving weapons from the Cardassians. If we withdraw, we'll be giving Bajor and the wormhole back to them. That's a good writing. He's like surprised by the script. For the <laughs> cut, cut. What'd you just say? <laughs> uh, I, I was just impressed. I just hadn't read that far. Uh, well, no, no, let's use it. Okay. <laughs> they don't even know the Cardassians are involved. And you're saying that it's a genuine political revolution internal to Bajor. Supported by the Cardassians. But internal to Bajor. The Cardassians might involve themselves in other people's civil wars. But we don't. The Prime Directive applies, Ben. 
Admiral. But would you say that our people on the station are in danger? Yes. Then there's no other choice but to evacuate. We'll have to worry about the long-term political implications down the road. That's an order, Commander. It's messed up. Um, it is what it is. Thank God it's going to take fucking Chief O'Brien so long to get everything off the station. <laughs> um, and that was Admiral Chicote. <laughs> yeah, spelled differently. But yeah. Uh, yeah. What a what a what a weird name to carry around in the back of your head and then put in your Voyager script person, yeah. whoever did it. I mean, a complete evacuation. I intend to take all Starfleet instruments, material, and in fact, all Federation property of any kind. How quickly can we do that? No, oh, sir, that'll take days. A week for all I know. But those assault vessels are going to be here in seven hours. Then I guess some of us won't quite be done by the time they get here. Oh, to be continued. And now the conclusion. Do you think she'll say it next week? I think so. All right. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Now. What do you think the, uh, what do you think he is famous from? Which, which transporter incident do you think he is like, ah, that's O'Brien. I think it's, I mean, you're talking about the guy who got Picard off a Borg cube. Uh Uh-huh. Well, he didn't really. That was that was Worf and Data together. <laughs> yeah, but they they used the transport system, an emergency transport system. I'm sure O'Brien worked through it. Also, you know, O'Brien helped uh, Barkley overcome yeah. his fear of transporters, which probably has that word spread throughout the galaxy. Right. Barkley was no longer afraid of transporters thanks to Chief O'Brien. Whose whose fault was it that those transporter worms were in there? I don't remember. It was nobody's fault. It was the crew of the other ship. Remember. Oh. I don't. They had like materialized themselves into the thing to, in order to survive. Oh. If I remember correctly. I should Do remember I remember the image. Correctly? It's really creepy. I would have been scared too if I was Barkley. Uh, all right. Let's go. NBC. In the vastness of space, when the going gets rough, you gave it your all. You showed the right stuff. You managed to not blow the station to <laughs> That's why you're this week's MVC. This week's MVC. I mean, right now it's Quark. It's got to be Quark. As far as I mean. I'm Cisco's make, making a lot of moves, but they haven't come to fruition yet. So they wouldn't be able to rescue Kira if Quark didn't tell them the location. Uh-huh. They wouldn't have been able to get the evidence that the Cardassians are supplying them without Quark's information. Uh-huh. Quark's being a good deputy. I think he's the most valuable yeah. crew. There are a lot of people that are being good people, like you know what I was trying to get in, mix it up. But sure, noth- nothing has happened yet that makes those moves successful. So, um. Although I guess right. he, he, he comes up with the information about the Cardassians. Which he wouldn't have obtained unless... Quark had his thing. All right, let's Correct. give it to Quark. I did it. I already did. Well, I'm also agreeing. I already mailed him his award. Well, 
I don't, that's not proper procedure, but okay. But don't worry. The Decentraprise is still in my trunk. <laughs> uh, we decide to now give some Andes. How many Andes does this episode get? It's real solid. Um, I don't, you know, it's again, it's one of those joiner episodes, so it's hard to kind of be like, this was fantastic. But it was a really solid episode, and I love the direction the show is going. Um, I give it a 6.5. That's funny. I give it an 8. Ooh. Uh, I gave it an 8 because it, 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 it hums along and it moves. And when it ends, I'm like, I, sh- I want to watch the next one. Yeah. Uh, whereas the last episode when that ended, I was like, eh. I don't really care. I mean, I think that's but fair. But then it turns out I was supposed to care because this episode was good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's solid writing. It's uh, good. It's uh, and and maybe a six point five is appropriate for certain joiner episodes. You know? Yeah. No, like, I, I'm not. Look, I'm not saying your rating is wrong. Your rating yeah. is your rating, and that's okay. Thank you. I, you know, again, I like the character stuff. I like every scene in this does something to forward the plot except for the scene that is in Kira's office in Kira's quarters which is just a character scene which I loved yeah so hi marks I I agree with that let's see what happens in part three everyone it's gonna be a doozy (laughs) disengage